Chapter 21 Two pairs of massive hands situated my frame with the type of care one would put a carton of fragile eggs into the shotgun seat. They converse as they travel around the perimeter of the car in opposite directions. The words fade in and out. I'm floating on water, dipping below the surface. The hell, Dean? Stacy. She's here? Was. Ricky. Sam compacts himself into the back seat. He grips the top of the front bench seat. Dean pours into the driver's seat next. Sam's profile intrudes into his brother's personal space. Dean slips the key into the ignition. Both of their doors slam shut in unison and creak like two grumpy old men trying to outdo who has the worst hip. Know how long? Fucking clue. Revenge and blood. Pool. Sam's arm juts out between the two of us to point at something beyond the windshield. Sign. Robinson. The streets are stark and quiet in comparison to the activity we left in Hashinger Residence Hall. Baby's engine roars and jolts me out of the eerie calm. Headlights cast a chalky pallor over the inky midnight scene. Dean taps the seat next to my thigh. Winner. Sam slides on the back seat and is closer to me now. How did she smell you? My mind tugs at a question, searching for an answer, something to keep my head above the water. Fight the waves breaking above and around me, waves that carry thoughts of Ricky and the danger he's in, because of me. Sam's highbrow furrows in the shadows. How could she smell you on Ricky, Dean? I clarify for the audience of one. What about all that vampire-repellent baby powder we used? Dean shrugs. I don't know, Winner. Vamps can have an amazing sense of smell. Like sharks, I guess. And I have been told I have a very distinct musk. Dean notes the continued confusion on Sam's face and offers him a head tilt along with an explanation. Stacy must have picked up my scent at the farmhouse after I escaped. Then at Laura's apartment. Sam's eyes widen. Shit. If she picked up your scent from only me searching the apartment and being around you... Wouldn't take much for her to latch onto your scent on Ricky after meeting up at the house. Probably for me, too. I complete Sam's thought. Fucking hell. That's insane, right? Dean's adrenaline is causing him to ramble. Just like a shark, man. hundred times better sense of smell than a human. That's like alpha senses. Because of me, I murmur. Hey, he taps the seat again. This is nobody's fault but Stacy Adler's. And we're gonna take care of her. And Ricky's going to be fine. His eyes drill their gaze into me. I won't let anything happen to him. He nods. Certain. Sure. I want to believe him. I want nothing more than to believe in this man right now. It takes Dean only minutes to careen down the university streets as he follows Sam's vocal direction. He turns onto Sunnyside Avenue and slows down, pulls up outside of Robinson Center to our right. Bibby rolls into a parking spot, meters away from a bridge walkway leading towards the front door. There are no lights on behind the glass entrance. The boxy beige brick and slatted exterior is lit up by a few well-positioned spotlights. Sam's head rotates clockwise to check the surroundings through the car windows. Dean does the same, counterclockwise. Both sets of fingers glide through Sam's hair, tucking strands back and behind his ears. We still don't know if she's flying solo or if she has backup. Other vamps. He huffs. Be ready for anything, Sammy. 
Once he's done canvassing outside, Dean's eyes land on me again. I'm not going to waste time convincing you to stay here, but you've got to be an asset and not a liability right now, Winner. It's my turn to nod with conviction. I want to kill the bitch that's got my son. Can't go in there half-cocked, Dean warns. Leave that to Dean, Sam adds. We got bullets dipped in dead man's blood in the back. Sam nods at his brother's question. Get that extra revolver and fill her up. The authority in Dean's voice sends Sam out of the car in a flash. The trunk pops up seconds later. We've got to be careful going in. If you see an opportunity to put her down and Ricky's at a safe distance, you pump her full of as many bullets as you can. It won't kill her, but it'll slow her down. That should give us a little edge. Dean, I begin. She wants me, he continues. I'll go in first. I should be enough of a distraction. If I can get her talking and monologuing, you and Sam should have a shot. And if there are more? His nostrils flare. You take a deep breath, and you focus on one at a time. Stay out of the crossfire, and act like it's target practice back at the bunker. A hand reaches around and pulls me close to him by the nape of my neck. You're getting your son back, you hear me? I force a small smile that I know he needs to see. Yes. His lips brush my forehead, and he's gone. I'm alone in the car, listening to their conversation. Mainly instructions by Dean. You watch her and hang back. Don't announce yourselves. They move around to my side. Sam interrupts. It's not like we can rely on the element of surprise, as you so astutely pointed out, Mr. Sharkweek. I roll down my window to zone in on the bass of Dean's voice. You really knock in my television viewing habits when they actually come in fucking handy? The orders flow from Dean after a resolute sigh from Sam. Just because she can sniff you a mile away doesn't mean she can see through walls. Anything goes sideways, do what you gotta do to get her and Ricky the hell out of there. Dean lifts up his jacket hem in the back and tucks his Colt into the jean waistband. You can pull me out later, even if I'm hanging on by a thread. Keep me on life support and get a hold of Cass to work his mojo. Sam hands him a sheathed machete, which he fastens to the belt loops on his right. But I'm not a priority. Got it? Winchester, I call out. Dean turns his head. Nobody's sacrificing themselves tonight. Got it? The side of his mouth turns upwards. He's forcing a small smile that he knows I need to see. Yes, ma'am. Sam and I hang back as Dean directed. It's not long in real time. Only a minute. But it feels like the sun should have risen and set in the span of the 60 seconds we stand in the lobby. Wondering how many monsters might be lurking in wait. I keep my arms locked, the gun pointing toward the ground a foot in front of my stance. My focus is on maintaining a secure but loose grip, even with my shaking hands. There's a little glow-in-the-dark sight on the top of the revolver on loan to me. The Winchesters do not play around. A halo from one of the landscape spotlights creeps in past the windows. It's enough to get our bearings until, on Sam's nod, we move into the dark hall and turn the corner where Dean disappeared. There's only the red glow from emergency exit signs in this space. A wide walkway, a good 50 feet long. No windows or doors except for the one we'll need to pass through at the end. We travel shoulder to shoulder with plenty of space to rotate and check that no one is sneaking up behind. Well, with Sam, it's more like my shoulder to his elbow. 
Sam depresses the latch handle. I move to his right, ready to canvas the area with the barrel of my revolver once he opens the door. It swings slow, steady, silent. I tunnel past and into another hallway, this one narrower. I'm at the lower end of an angled ramp with even higher walls on either side. The pungent odor of chlorine meets my nose. Sam has my back. He clicks the door shut. The other end of the ramp is a wash in a green-blue glow spilling in from a doorway. I flinch at the tap on my shoulder. I glance back, and Sam motions for me to halt so he can lead. Bent knees, firm gun grip, he soldiers ahead toward the light. More steps, and he's at the corner, Sam's anterior bathed in the eerie illumination. I press against the wall, hidden in the massive shadows created by this Winchester. Another shadow shifts across the floor tile and disrupts the light. Someone, or something, who's already traversed this area. Moving forward, doubling back. Dean? Then, there's a voice. The one I heard on the phone. It bounces its way into my ears, a slight echo trailing. I'd appreciate the real name of the man who fucked everything up. And get that gun out of my face unless you want this one bleeding out. Ricky, I mumble. Sam's shoulders lift on a deep inhale. The shadow shifts and elongates. Black strands that might be arms have dropped. It appears that my hero hunter is playing along. Dean Winchester. A loud guffaw echoes. The Dean Winchester? Not quite what I expected. Laura told me stories. Nothing good, I hope. You'd be correct. Did I have the displeasure of meeting Lara before? No. You were number two on her hunter's most wanted list, though. Like every other vamp, it sounded like... A pause. The shadow shuffles and disappears. Which means that the other male I'm smelling must be the illustrious Sam. The one that killed our father? The Alpha? Sam stiffens. And here I am without my autograph book. Can't get anything by you, can we, Stacy? It's cute that you try. He and Mommy shouldn't be so shy. Tell them to come a little closer. They'll miss all the fun. That's all I need to hear. I shoot to Sam's left and round his frame. He counters my action and pops a muscled arm ahead to block my advance. A sharp shake of his head and hair and serious gaze cements my feet in place. They're just here to make sure Ricky walks. I figured a trade might be up for consideration. Kind of a steal, if you ask me. A Winchester for a winner? Think of the possibilities. Blood pumps and pounds in my ears. Not a bad little extra perk, if that fit into the original plan. But I don't trust that you wouldn't want to lop my head off as soon as you got a chance. So, I took out an insurance policy. See? Make sure you wouldn't want anything to happen to little old me. I need to be around for the grand finale. Is that? Yep. Had him try some right after our call. What the hell is going on? Sam. Dean's roar of his brother's name races up my spine. Yeah. Sam responds. Change of plans. Dean's voice hints at defeat. What's all the drama for you if you don't have an audience to witness it, though? Stacy calls out loud, 
violin, plenty of front row seats. Do it, Sam, and put him away. There's no second guessing from Sam, not where Dean's concerned. The gun is down, and he looks at me to do the same. I open my mouth to protest. Winner? Dean calls out like he's telepathically picked up on my wavering. Trust me on this. The Winchesters do not play around. I sigh and decock the revolver and place it in the borrowed hip holster. Whatever is going on can't be good. Sam grabs my hand and tugs me forward. Down the hall we go. The reveal of the swimming center overwhelms my senses and heightened emotions. There's light bouncing off the crystal blue water in the lap pool only a few feet in front of me. Six lanes of separation that I could slip and fall into with ease. Sam walks the length to my right, slow, taking things in as well. Beyond the lap pool is a section for high diving. Ladders lead up to springboards. The Jayhawk's mascot is painted on the opposite wall. He's red and blue with a massive yellow beak. A continuous filter hums somewhere. Fluorescent lights buzz. Water trickles. The chlorine is stronger here. I quickly turn to my left. Dean is there looking at me. His eyes are purposeful in their stare. Bleachers rise up behind us, up to what feels like a three-story ceiling. Triangle flag streamers crisscross above in an attempt at festivity. It's when I look past Dean's left shoulder that the air is knocked out of my lungs. Ricky. The area my son occupies is darker than the rest. The lights there are either off in that space or have been broken. Ricky stands on one of the starting blocks farthest away, the number one position. He's teetering back and forth to keep balance on the angled board right above the pool water. Hands bound behind his back, ankles tied together. There's a dirty white fabric wrapped and gagging his mouth. He looks like he's been punched in the jaw. Smears of what I think is blood is all over his face. His blue eyes are wide open, fearful, and wide in their panic. His gray t-shirt has dark stains and splotches everywhere. My anger sears and boils over at Stacy Adler, the blonde vamp standing on the tile to his right. Her hand is clamped on the rope securing his wrists. I charge in her direction, but Dean is my blockade this time. My hands rise up and press against his chest, determined to push past. He leans at my force. Mild surprise ripples over his face. His hands lock over my wrists. Winner, he mumbles. Let me go, I reply, my eyes locked on Ricky. I'll toss you in there if you don't move, Dean. I bounce back and away, freed from his grasp. There's no more thinking, only impulse and instinct for my son. The gun is in my hands again. Stacy's icy blue eyes, even in the shadows, sparkle and survey me along with a smug smile. My gun cocks, and I line my sight dead center to her chest. Don't, Dean's deep voice pleads. I look over and into his green eyes. Why the hell not? I can feel how hard I'm scowling. She fed him. She fed him her blood. I freeze at the words. We gotta play along right now. He tips my gun back down. Once Jerry's back with our other guests, the party can start. Stacy calls out to the three of us. Sam has made his way back to Dean and I. You can also be blamed for Jerry, Dean. 
He came by to check up on Laura at the apartment. I needed a shoulder to cry on, and he was very willing. She sighs. Thank goodness he was as quick to turn as he was in bed. There's a muffled scream behind Stacy. I notice a blue tarp covering a mound of something. It shifts and slithers around. A swift backward kick, and Stacy's boot heel squelches any further movement or sound. Bonnie. A little too nosy for her own good. God damn it. Poor Bonnie. Sam and Dean communicate silently above me with flinches and nods. They're taking in the info, assessing. My brain processes some as well and makes assumptions. Stacy wouldn't have turned Jerry. Poor, unassuming Jerry, who was the newest staff member at Scale Warriors, unless she needed someone else. My heart rips, looking at Ricky in the meantime. He's fed on her blood. Is he turning? Has he already turned? I'd read that the transition is different every time. There's no standard timetable. One thing I know, I don't think Ricky would be the quickest to succumb to the rank and file of dutiful obedience to his maker. He's pretty obstinate when he wants to be. He's a lot like his mother. Dread fills my thoughts. I'm pretty sure the lore states that he has to feed for the vamp upgrade to be fully complete. If he doesn't, he'll die. I need to ask Dean so many questions. I need to know what we have to do to save my son. Apparently, killing the vampire that made him is not a means to that end. Stacy. Sam's voice is low, encouraging. Stacy leans her head in his direction. This plan of yours, whatever it is, is getting more and more complicated because of us. How about you take a couple things out of the equation? Streamline. Dean and I can stay. Let Bonnie and Samantha go. I need as much leverage as I can hold on to right now. She pulls Ricky's bindings and he mumbles with a gag in his mouth. Anyway, I kind of like the literal symmetry. A son in trouble. A mother's need to protect. Seeing how far one will go to save their child. This will be a nice contrast in comparison once Andy and Charlene are here. Shit. Dean whispers before raising his voice to Stacy. Putting a lot of faith in Jerry there. He's pretty good at taking orders. Laura told me he was always dependable and handy at the center. He got Andy in his trunk after tracking him at a bonfire right before you arrived. Then, I gave Charlene a call. Asked her to swing by with all the cash in my dad's safe if she wants to see her precious little boy alive again. And then, Sam asks. I turn Andy too and double-cross the bitch. Keep her under lock and key like she tried to do with me. I was thinking I might leave the moms alone with the sons and see who holds out the longest. Maybe toss them in rooms with only a machete. I'm sure you two have some extra in the trunk. You know all about the frenzy and bloodlust a fresh-turned vamp has when they need to feed from their very first prey. Ricky hasn't fed yet. This deduction gets another look between the brothers. I'd bet good money that dear Charlene values her life more than her sons when it comes down to it. Not sure about Mrs. Winner. We'll see. She shrugs. Ricky grumbles on the starting board. His jaw moves. Chews. The fabric disappears deeper into his mouth. Stacy's grip tightens. My eyes can't tear away from Ricky. He's undulating and tipping. His head shakes like his hair's on fire. Then, the gag is suddenly tattered, collapses, 
and settles on his shoulders like a worn collar. A snarl reveals sharp, jagged fangs, like a shark. Another early developer. Stacy doesn't sound as pleased as she was about Jerry. This new situation is gaining more of her attention than I think she'd like. I see a chance to gain some leverage. Blood in the water, I mumble. Dean glances at me. If he feeds, I begin. No chance of curing him. He answers, cool and resolute. We talking a drop or a gallon? I'm asking the encyclopedia that is Sam Winchester now. Sam studies Stacy and Ricky while he replies. Don't know for sure. Never tested that. Dead man's blood slows them down, though, right? Maybe it'll slow down all their system processes? I startle at the angry roar emerging from my son's throat. He snaps the ropes around his wrists as if they were dental floss. Ricky curls into a ball, tears off the straps around his ankles, then wraps hands around his shins. His movements are fierce, but much more balanced now. Stacy pats his back. I know it hurts. It will be better soon. This is the worst of it. She's consoling him, like a mother. Bitch. My body pulses with rage. Winner. Dean approaches me. I close the gap and step to him, light and quick. My left hand reaches around his neck to bring him down to my level. My peck on his lips is offered as I plead with my eyes. My right hand sneaks in between our bodies to pull the machete up from the sheath resting over his hip. The blade is exposed only a few inches, but it's enough. I release my left hand and slip it into the crevice his side and arm creates. The slice into my palm is cool and slides with ease. You better be fast, Winchester, and get this shit under control. His mouth is agape, realizing what I've done. Stacy! I call out to her for the first time. Her and Ricky's head snap to attention. There's recognition in Ricky's eyes, along with the glazed-over and pained expression. I gulp. You're forgetting the most obvious option for a mother. Have I? Stacy asks with stunned and comical bewilderment. I nod. Sacrifice. I march to the edge of the pool and dangle my bleeding palm over the water. Squeeze. Drip. 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 The red blooms against the blue and dissipates into a soft purple watercolor swirl. Ricky stills, his face void of any reaction for a few seconds. Then, he sniffs. I dash past Sam under one of his elbows and race to the corner farthest away from Ricky, my hand dripping blood over the water along the way. My son is a great swimmer, so I'm not surprised when he dives, elongates that tall frame in a beautiful arch and barely disrupts the surface of the water. He swims at a miraculous pace, which is surprising and terrifying. Stacy's face contorts with confusion and fear. Dean beelines towards her, skirting the perimeter of the pool. Sam is close behind. She stumbles backwards, about to sprint toward the high dive area to a door with an exit sign above it. I spot the mound that is Bonnie for a split second, getting underfoot. Stacy trips. It provides Dean enough time to body slam Stacy and push her forward into a lifeguard chair. Sam rushes to his brother's aid. I know they'll be able to capture the vampire between the two of them. 
I just hope they can do it before Jerry arrives. I don't have time to think about much more before Ricky catapults up over the side of the pool and lands on his feet, steady and sure, dripping wet. He doesn't see anything but dinner when he stares at me. I'm sorry, sweetie. If you do sink those teeth into me, I hope this isn't going to hurt too much. I pull the gun from the holster and cock it. I stare back into those deep blue eyes that remind me of the husband that I lost so many years ago. I love you. As Ricky stalks closer, I point the revolver at my left foot and squeeze the trigger. I scream when the bullet shatters bone and rips through my flesh. I fall to the floor. Ricky covers me the next second. I grapple at his neck with as much strength as I can muster, holding him aloft so he hovers with gnashing teeth. He's trying to get to any part of me that he can. I'm yelling to God. The longer that I can keep him from feeding, the more of a chance we can save him. And if he does feed, I have to hope the dead man's blood might work in our favor. Someone tosses Ricky off. There's a splash. I gasp for air and expect Dean at my side. You can imagine my disappointment when I see Jerry instead. Curly, red-haired Jerry with a bunch of freckles and death in his eyes. He licks his lips, bares his fangs, and goes straight for my jugular. Surprise. I'm surprised at how fast I can feel life draining from my body and how frozen and silent I am while my killer works. My head lolls to the left. A slurping sound fills my ears. My focus down the length of the pool is fading. I see Dean. He's sprinting. Another quick leap and he's on his knees and shins, sliding, leaning backward, somehow picking up speed to get to me. His pretty colt is in his hands and he's firing. Those heart-stopping eyes look scared. He's calling my name. Winner. That's the last thing I hear before the dark consumes me. My eyes blink open a moment later and take in the ceiling. No streamers hanging above. No fluorescent lighting. And I'm not in the swimming center anymore. Aged gray concrete. A crack in the shape of a backwards Y reminds me of a young child's scribblings. I've seen it recently while half asleep, listening to light snores that are better and more soothing than any lullaby. I'm in Dean's room, back at the bunker. The recognition is confirmed by faint, layered scents. Cheap whiskey, even cheaper beer, well-worn leather, often used gun oil, expensive cologne, and the sweat that mingles with the spring-fresh softener he uses to wash his bedsheets. He saved me. But what about... Mom? That sweet little Superman curl suddenly pops into frame and dangles above me, along with the rest of that manly face that will always have traces of my little boy. Ricky sighs and smiles. My hand grabs the side of his face. You're all right? I rasp. My tongue sticks to the tackiness lining my dry throat. He nods. How are you feeling? Castiel said you'd be worn out after he got done laying his hands on you. Apparently healing takes a lot out of the recipient. I found Winchesters to be the exception to the rule. The deep voice at the foot of the bed gets my attention. I tip my head forward and a throb follows. Sam and Dean's friend with the piercing blue eyes gives me an awkward smile. How are you feeling? He repeats Ricky's question. 
I drop my head into the pillow, close my eyes, and wrestle with tears that want to escape. My son is back. How could I feel anything but pure joy? The knot in my chest unfurls. Good, I whisper. If I get upset, I know Ricky will begin to blubber as well. We are each other's weak link when it comes to breakdowns. Once I give myself some time to adjust, I add, maybe a little tired. I use the excuse to keep my eyes closed. You've been dipping in and out of consciousness for a few days, running a pretty high fever. Ricky gulps. Sam and Dean got you stable enough and then called Castiel. I received a dose of vampire cure-all while I was locked up. He clears his throat. I was kind of a handful during recovery. I envisioned Sam and Dean babysitting Ricky through some type of hyperspeed withdrawal and simultaneously serving as my nursemaids. I realize how much doting on and thanks they deserve, and I'm already thinking of the meals I need to prep and pack in their freezer. I'm sorry I wasn't able to get here sooner, Castiel adds. My wings haven't worked for some time. My eyes pop open and I raise my head again to inspect him. The man looks as I remember from the times he's tagged along with Dean to the library. Trench coat, skewed necktie, and tousled hair. Wings? Castiel flashes an all-knowing smile. Of course. Dean hasn't given you all of the details yet. Ricky pats my hand. We can fill you in later. Why don't you rest a little more? Where are they? Ricky smiles. Sam headed out to get some food once you responded positively. Dean's probably not far. He hasn't left the bunker since we got here. No, that's a lie. He went to the house to grab some of your things. He points to the nightstand. A small pile of my favorite paperbacks, the ones I keep in my bedroom, are an arm's reach away to my right. The faded, crinkled book spine of The Grapes of Wrath is at the very bottom. I hold back a giggle at the cheeky, dog-eared romance cover of Lords of Scoundrels that I'm pretty sure Dean intentionally placed on top. I'll go find him. Castiel nods to us both and leaves the room. I cough. Ricky grabs a nearby water bottle. He raises me to sit and positions a pillow behind me for support. Drink something. His shaky hand holds the bottle to my lips and quenches my thirst. Are you really all right? I scan his face, looking for any remnants of the predator that hunted me from what felt like only moments ago. But there's only Ricky. Unsure, tired, worried. He shrugs. As right as one can be after having been a vampire. His head shakes. Jesus, Mom. What did she do to... Doesn't matter. He cuts me off. All that matters is we're alive. And we made it. He waits a beat. Stacy and Jerry didn't. I have no guilt over the demise of Stacy Adler. She deserved every bit of pain that I hope Sam and Dean delivered. Jerry, however... That kid was a pawn, expendable in Stacy's mind. I wonder if there had been anything the brothers could have done to save him, or if there had been no other choice. What about Anderson and Bonnie? I asked Sam when I was lucid and the pieces needed connecting. When they freed Bonnie, she offered to call the police and tip them off about Anderson being in Jerry's trunk. She told them that Stacy and Jerry had kidnapped them both 
and were planning some huge ransom scheme. Charlene Adler backed it all up with an interview in the paper since Stacy had called her. Authorities are pretty much assuming they were behind Laura Sullivan's disappearance, too. I squeeze his knuckles tight to each other in a vice grip. I'm so sorry you got caught up in all this. His eyes light up. Me? What about you? I'd only gotten a peek under the curtain years back on what Sam and Dean do. All of this other stuff. I wave a hand about. This place, well, my curiosity got the better of me. The look that I'm not telling him everything scrunches up his face. He's kind of a big, grumpy, drunk baby. Both hands raised, ready to start preaching. I mean, I get it. He's definitely your type. But he doesn't handle worrying very well. That's all he's been doing over you. I hope you've been thanking that grump for saving you. The stern expression I'm going for won't last long. Of course I have. I was taught right. He shrugs. Doesn't negate the fact that he's as transparent as vellum. Subtle is not a word I'd use to describe your current main squeeze. I smile. Dean doesn't do anything half-ass. He's all in, all the time. Good or bad. Well, I hope I get to see more of the good stuff soon, now that you're better. So, you didn't worry a lick about me, huh? I grab the water bottle from his hands. Nah. Ricky smiles and flashes straightened teeth that cost me a small fortune in orthodontics. I know how hard it is to keep you down for the count. I huff out my own little protest and gulp some more water. A light rap on the door signals we have company. A tight little smile dawns Dean's face. Hey there, Winner. Good of you to finally join us. The bruises have faded and the cuts are healing up well. Now a smaller bandage covers the bite on his neck. He creeps into his own room, as if a visitor, hands stuffed into jean pockets. A white t-shirt clings to the expanse of his shoulders and chest. Even though the marks of battle are disappearing, his face shows how little he slept. You haven't eaten much. Want me to get you something? He scratches the question out from worn vocal cords. Dean rubs the sheet covering the top of one of my feet. He pinches my big toe. That one brief moment of contact shoots synapses off in my brain like fireworks. I'll go. Ricky stands. One thing I'm great at is warming stuff up. Dean slaps his forearm. Don't forget to warm the milk. When Ricky looks back in confusion, Dean gives him a curt, knowing nod. For my bottle. Might want to add a shot of whiskey. Ricky blushes three shades of pink all the way down his neck. Downturn, guilty eyes shift to me quick before he ducks out of the room, tail between his legs. I chuckle when we're alone. He totally deserved that. Dean smirks. Nah, he's pretty spot on with the description. Sam's asked me if I needed my diaper changed more than once. The hoarse sound coming from his throat raises my concern. What happened to you? I point to my own neck. Nah. He sits on the edge of the bed and leans into my side. Jerry didn't go down without a fight. My memory flashes stills in my head. You shot him. I got a couple into him, but he dove at me before I could get to you. We both ended up in the drink. Then, Ricky got in on it. 
holding me underwater by my ankles in the deep end while good old Jer strangled. Hell of a tag team attempt at choking and drowning. Sam had to pump Jerry's skull with a few more bullets for him to let up. I cringe at the visual. Oh, Dean, how did you get Ricky? He shakes his head. You don't want to know, sweetheart. We did what was necessary to get him back here so he could be cured. But you, you had to go and be extra difficult, running a hell of a fever after severe blood loss, fighting off an infection. Must have been from the dead man's blood. We were an hour away from taking you to the hospital if Cass hadn't finally shown up. He leans in and nestles the sides of my face into his warm palms. Nobody sacrificing themselves, huh? Thank you. I break down in tears, all the emotion I held back in Ricky's presence now on display for my hero to witness. Thank you for saving him. He sighs and covers my forehead with leg kisses. Welcome. It takes me a minute to compose myself. He's wiping tears from my cheeks with a sappy stare that tracks over my face. Why didn't Cass heal you up? Sometimes it's good to sit with the pain, you know? Besides, I didn't want to zap his battery in case he needed to work on you again. What is he? Another sigh. An angel. Excuse me? My jaw drops. He nods. We've got time for me to fill you in on even more crazy until we know you're good. Then, winner, I've got to leave. Me, Sam, Cass. We gotta find Jack. There's some heavy-duty shit to take care of. How heavy? End of the world heavy. He shrugs. But we got this. Don't worry. He smiles, tugs my chin up between two fingers to close my mouth so he can kiss my lips. Soft and slow, brushing along my skin with the feel of crushed velvet. And I've gotta wrap all that up quick so we can celebrate after. After. Epilogue. In all my 47 years, I never saw myself as a dog person. Yet here I am with a furry passenger riding shotgun. After. Love will do that to a person. Make you realize things about yourself that you would never have even considered while navigating through life solo. I hope he appreciates the much-needed bath I gave him yesterday. His fur is flying, swirling inside my jeep, reminding me of white feathery tufts of a dandelion flower. The setting sun sparkles through the windshield, and each shedded hair catches the light. This is the kind of thing that would have driven me crazy a couple years back. Not now. Not after. We are on our way to see his owner. He's almost as excited as I am. I must admit, I hold my eagerness in better. My tongue doesn't hang out of my mouth nearly as often. I also don't drool. Well... Not as much. My men of letters intern duties expanded to include dog-sitting a few months back. After Sam, Dean, Cass, and Jack saved the world from Chuck. Chuck. Really? My head still shakes at the moniker God went with on Earth. Chuck Shirley. 
I remember Dean explaining all that transpired involving God over the years. His obsession with the Winchesters, how mediocre of a writer he actually was, and talk about a Napoleon complex. I never met the man. I mean God. Lots of stories got me up to speed before Dean left with Sam and Cass to find Jack. And there were lots of stories upon their return. After. Tall trees obscure the sun now. I turn onto the dirt trail with an eager spin of the steering wheel. Yeah, you know where you're going, don't ya? Terrier Mix with the golden brown coat hops in the passenger seat and barks twice in response. Ears perk up and drop just as quick. His head pokes out the open window to enjoy the breeze. The wind whips his tongue about. He swallows and pants in a steam train rhythm. Nothing like being back home at the bunker and sharing a bed with your owner. I agree, Miracle. I scratch behind his ear. A little whine of contentment reminds me of Dean. Dean, the man who has stolen my heart with a wink and a smile. Dean has asked me multiple times if I remembered anything when Chuck snapped me out of existence, along with everyone else on the planet besides him and Sam and Jack. I told him the truth. No. There was nothing after. I was there one second, back the next when they saved the world. God, it seems, can't be bothered with the trivial details and endgames of supporting characters. But I question whether I was ever supposed to be a part of Chuck's storyline. I was simply an NPC, a figure plopped in to take up space in the scenery and give the players some interaction or information until they got to the juicy plot point. That was until Dean pulled himself out of the game for a little while and took a chance on the librarian that forgot how to complete sentences in his presence. Man, God must have been pissed when Dean went off script. Well, that God, anyway. Chuck was lazy and self-involved, narcissistic and destructive. I'm hoping Jack shows benevolence and understanding towards the fragile human race that he is now charged with. And I gotta say, it does feel a little... different? Like we're occupying space in a world that is not so harsh and ready to implode? That people are kinder? A tad more patient? and have learned the fine difference between sympathy and empathy. That it's not all about me as much as it is about us. Like someone pressed a reset button or finally managed to get the audio track to sync up with the video. I don't feel like I'm always trying to play catch-up, or that I'm not missing out on everything because I'm not plugged into social media 24-7. I don't feel like I need as much. Things are good just the way they are but that could be because of Dean, too. We haven't seen Jack since he assumed the throne, but Cass comes down on occasion to fill everyone in on the changes being made in heaven. No more souls locked away in cubicles of happy memories. It's a free-range farm up there, and all the animals are coexisting fine. Sometimes I think I'm going crazy and should be locked up, but there's no way any of this is real. Dean's touch is what grounds me during those times. He feels every bit concrete, solid, whole, and tethers me to this life and its actuality. I pulled Cass to the side one night before he headed back to the top floor of our galaxy. I asked about soulmates and how all that works up there now. If it's not a constant loop of the greatest hits, will you have to choose once you get up there? He could sense my worry. There's no rule that you can only have one soulmate, Winter. At least, not according to Jack. As Dean would say, things are a bit more... He air quotes. 
fast and loose. He rests a hand on my shoulder. Rick understands. He never wanted you to stop living. Cass must have seen the skepticism on my face. I made an executive decision and had a conversation with the man when heaven got its makeover. He can't wait to see you. He and Dean will get along just fine, I think. I remember to roll up the windows before I slide to a stop in front of the bunker. The last time I brought Miracle back after his dad and uncle returned from a hunt, he hurtled out the passenger window. A bunny had gotten his attention and he raced after it into a patch of buckthorn bushes. I had to wrangle him like a shepherd. It took me five minutes. I never told Dean about that. The leash clicks onto Miracle's collar. Stay. I use my stern pointing finger, the one I wagged at Ricky hundreds of times. Miracle tilts his head and ponders my order while I slip out of the tiniest wedge of an opening I've allowed myself through the driver's side door. I do find it perplexing at times that there is still evil and it's allowed to create chaos in this new world. But it's Dean who posited over beers at the bunker's kitchen table, along with Sam and I, that Jack would have wanted humans to retain their free will, have the ability to choose. But maybe, over time, the good will outweigh the bad more and more. My haste to see the brothers makes me forget an important item. Before Miracle can pull me to the entrance, I have to double back to my trunk and grab his favorite toy. If I misplace Miracle's often-chewed stuffed moose, Dean plays tug-of-war with one more time, I'll never hear the end of it. I keep meaning to ask Sam why he looks so offended when Dean pulls on those antlers and Miracle sinks his teeth into the stuffing with such glee. There are still monsters, another thing that I guess has to balance out the good. If you have all white and no black, you can't have gray. But Sam and Dean aren't nearly as busy as before so my dog-sitting doesn't last any longer than a few days, and no more than once a month at best. During those times, I bring Miracle to my house to catch up on chores and other things back in Smith Center. More of my off hours are spent in Lebanon now. Not that I'm complaining. The massive metal door is harder to maneuver with an active canine in tow. But I manage to, and it slams shut. Hello? Miracle barks once to announce himself. His claws clip-clop down the metal steps. I sniff and smile. One of my freezer meals is heating up in the oven. It smells like veggie lasagna and some meatballs are on the menu this evening. Hey! Sam's voice has me glancing back to the doorway by the steps we've passed. He ducks down and Miracle escapes my hold. The leash skips along the ground between his legs. He pounces up on Sam's knees. A twist and tangle of dog ears and fur fills huge palms. Good boy. I place the moose on the map table. How are you? I ask. I can already see that he's worn out from the 15-hour drive that I'm guessing Dean insisted they do with shifts and no motel breaks. Good. Glad to be home. The hunt that they wrapped had led them to Canton, Ohio. It turned out to be an old case of their dad's that had gone unresolved. A vampire nest was suspected to be behind the kidnappings, a pattern that seemed to repeat every generation. When I heard through the Hunter's Grapevine network that Cliff and Harve were near Canton, I filled them in on the details. It sounded to me like the boys might need a little extra backup. Thank goodness they weren't on their own. From the way Dean described the ambush over the phone afterwards, he and Sam underestimated the size of the nest. It could have gone sideways real quick. He's in his room, working on some stuff. Sam answers my unspoken question. 
asked me to get dinner started. He knew you'd be here soon. Sam's eyes pop open wide as his voice raises a bit to speak to Miracle. Somebody want to help me in the kitchen? Miracle disappears into the doorway. Dinner takes priority over Dean. Well, at least for one of us. I point through the library toward my destination. Sam grins and tosses a lock of hair out of his eyes. Don't be too long. Food will be ready in about 15. I nod, turn, and grin to myself. We've done the deed quicker than that when time is at a premium. My heartbeat picks up along my pace down a hallway. I could travel this path with closed eyes and fingers tapping walls now. It hasn't been that long, but it feels like forever as soon as he's gone. I wrap a knuckle on his closed bedroom door, even though he's told me I never have to knock. I'm always welcome. I got it, Sam. Don't need you to look at it. He sounds irritated behind the barrier. Yes, that is a typical Dean flavor I am accustomed to by now. But I sense a hint of uncertainty that usually means he's focusing on something not in his wheelhouse. I'll come back later then. I haven't even gotten to three in my internal counting before the door swings open into the bedroom. The weary traveler is a sight for sore eyes. Five o'clock shadow, more eye crinkles than usual because he hasn't slept. But my heart skips at all the handsome he's emitting. Ugh. Plus he's got on my most favorite of his denim shirts. He's all broad shoulders and snatched in waist and black jeans to fit his bow legs like a second skin. God damn it. The hell you will. He smirks and pulls me into a bear hug that ends with his hands resting on my ass. His breath tickles my ear. How about I make you come now? I giggle, all crass and sass, this one. I love every ounce of him. A slight shift backward has his eyes inspecting me with serious concern. Where's Miracle? With your brother? He sighs in relief. Jesus, Dean. I managed to raise a child on my own who's turned into a very competent adult. I think I can care for a spoiled mutt for a couple days. The attempt to wiggle out of his embrace is half-hearted. Dean's eyebrows angle downward. He's not spoiled. I nod. Really? You left me with detailed instructions. Roasted chicken with gravy for a treat. Only filtered water in his bowl. I had to bring his dog bed to my house. He loves your roast chicken with gravy. I get a peck on the lips. And he needs his memory foam mattress. My head shakes. You need your memory foam mattress. I appreciate you taking such good care of him, Winner. His puppy dog stare is working overtime. Uh-huh. I can't stay mad at that face. Being held in his warmth melts away any bit of discontent. What don't you need Sam to look at? Ah, uh, nothing. Dinner almost ready? He spins and leads me to the door with a clasp on my wrist. We have time. I plant my feet to break and his hold releases. You backing out of that offer? I would feel hurt if I knew he wasn't trying to hide something. His brows shoot up. What? No, of course I'm not. It's my turn to spin and cross arms, my back to him. I've got time to inspect his room. If I didn't know better, I think you didn't want to be alone with me. Hands stroke my biceps, lips nip at my neck. His heavy, warm chest presses against my shoulder blades. I guess we've got time for a quickie. Save the main event for later. I'm on the verge of succumbing when I spot the paperwork on his desk. It's not the usual lore books or case files. 
What I identify as some sort of application must be important to have all of Mr. Winchester's attention atop his study area. The most recent issue of Busty Asian Beauties is half covered by it. Fun fact. He doesn't bother to hide his porn magazines from me. Maybe because they're not super hardcore. Pretty tame, actually. Especially in comparison to his internet search history. I have a difficult time figuring out what's supernatural and smut the times I've had a peek. I think he finally took Sam's advice and started clearing it. The constant hum of the bunker always working and generating, something I've gotten used to, pushes through the quiet. Fabric rustles. A puckered mouth depositing kisses against my skin makes the most wondrous sounds. I hate to disrupt him. My spy tactics are up to the challenge, or at least a test. I pull us with a shuffle. He seems willing, unaware, with a cute little two-step that knocks into the back of my boots to try and keep up. I lean forward and catch a glimpse of the page header through my bifocals. NCK Tech. What the heck? Is there a possible case at the technical college? Shifter? Werewolf? Ghoul? My curiosity is piqued. I'm ready to question out loud. Then, I notice the applicant name filled in at the top of the paper. Last name, Winchester. First name, Dean. Am I boring you, sweetheart? His deep rumble vibrates against my cheek and turns into a chuckle. You're not as sly as you'd like to think. I sigh and snatch the paper off his desk. What's going on? I twirl to face him. He snatches it in a snap and hides it behind his back. Promise not to laugh. Dean Winchester looks terrified. I nod. Promise. A deep inhale fortifies him for the big reveal. Thinking of taking some classes. Well, if I get accepted. I smile. At North Central Kansas Technical College? He nods with a sweet little grin. I think that's a great idea. He lifts a brow. Yeah? Why wouldn't it be? I don't know. Maybe because I'm 42 fucking years old. How about that? I ignore the question. May I see the application? He exhales and gives in to my request. The application rests on his chest as I peruse the interest that he's checked. I light up at the choice. Automotive technology is perfect for you. Yeah? Both brows lift. You don't need me to tell you that. You can fix any car you put your hands on. He shakes his head. Not true. Not these modern ones and their computers and motherboards and shit. But now that I've got time, and the world doesn't need... I'm on tiptoes to kiss him. When I'm done, and he's looking at me all punch drunk and happy, I whisper again. I think that's a great idea. There could be a couple roadblocks. Automotive classes are on Hayes campus, two hours from Lebanon. I nod, quiet, all ears. He scratches the back of his head. Sam and I were talking. I, I might have to get myself a little place on my own, out of the bunker. Stockton might be a good midpoint. I mean, he and I could still work cases that come up, I guess. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Gotta get accepted first. Then a placement test. He trails off. All I can do is smile and listen to him talk about the future. His future. Not the present and worrying about saving people, hunting things. Not the family business that swallowed up his hope of anything outside of that existence for so long. 
Say something, Winner. His eyes beg me to tell him that it's all right to do this for himself. That it's okay to get his life started. To put this free will of his to the test. I think it's past due, Dean Winchester. The end. But not for Dean. Dean.